for whatever minuscule amount of gas a hot water heater uses when no one's using the water, it's just keeping the pilot light lit. These psychopaths would blow it out every time they left the beach house. And uh, every time I would go down there, I'd have to like get down on my belly with like flashlight and like open the little the little door to the pilot light and then try to light it. But there's like cobwebs everywhere and like fucking spiders like flexing on me and shit. Like, what are you doing in my corner of the garage? So I could never get it lit. So every time I went to Rocky Point to party and stay at this beach house, I took cold showers all weekend. And all my guests did. It was known. If you were going to fly into Phoenix and drive down to Rocky Point with me from wherever in the world you lived, you're taking cold fucking showers the whole time you're in Rocky Point because. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. No. Now there's like a chirping. Do you have a hamster in there on a wheel? Oh. Oh, I've got a cricket now. It's like camping somewhere in this fucking mess. There's a cricket. All right, let's just get into it. Who gives a shit? Uh, yeah, if it sounds like uh, ASMR episode, yeah, if it, if it sounds like I've been drinking, it's because I've been drinking. But oh, yeah, I gotta get my thing. Yeah, all right. You are listening to The Illustrious Gentleman. It's a podcast hosted by two comic book professionals who get together to talk about comics, work, booze, and life. Scott Godleski, that was him just speaking, uh, is currently working on Superman for DC Comics. He's a big deal. Uh, Ryan Cody, that's me. I'm wrapping up the final issue of Family Tree at Image Comics. You can visit TigShow.com for all your Tig Show merch needs and for links on where and how to support us. Uh, you can go to our social media pages. You can join up as a patron, get the episodes about five days early, or you can just buy us around, support our habit, uh, do all the good things good people do. It's all there at tigshow.com. Yeah, that cricket's that cricket's awesome. It's it's like it's like we're camping together. What are you gonna name your new cricket? Because he's never gonna leave. It's funny because you have to pull your headphones out to hear what I can hear. Right. Yeah. Just, I can't hear it. Yeah. That's okay. It doesn't, who, who cares? Who cares? Our 13 listeners, you know, it's going to be a good week next week. Our 13 listeners, they won't mind. All right. So it's, uh, we have kind of a lot, kind of a lot planned for today. So maybe we should just oh, jump boy. into it, but it's, uh, it's wine Wednesday. What do you got, buddy? Oh, uh. I have a can of Barefoot Spritzer. Oh, that's kind of wine. Summer red. It's wine based. Yeah, it's like a wine seltzer. It's a bubbly wine. Uh, uh it's five five. Five five. Oh, it's yeah. like a, it's barely wine. It's yeah, not it's, wine. It's not anything. Okay. I thought we were taking this seriously, but I guess. You bringing crickets into your garage and all other manner. I thought this was a real deal podcast, but whatever. There should be no surprises by this point. Sorry, just finishing off the last of my bottle of Andre Brut. Uh, so what I got for tonight is uh, Vindangi, Vindange Chardonnay. Uh, I got a little thing here. It's a, it's more than a can, less than a bottle. Mm. Uh, full flavored and fruity with hints of apples, pears. Sorry about that, everybody. Apples, pears, and toasted oak. 
And uh, I've, I've made it known I'm not a big wine guy. And if I do drink wine, I'm a white wine guy. Red wine is too dry. Like, I feel like as soon as I take a sip of red wine, I have to immediately drink water. That's weird. Is it? And I also yeah, don't I just said so. And I also don't like like normally reds you drink uh, warm, like room temperature, and I don't like drinking anything room temperature. So I like my whites because I can keep them in the fridge. My wife at, uh, at one of her old apartments had crickets in the apartment that we couldn't find. So it was this like 24 seven, the cricket noise. It's cute when you're camping or it's cute when you want a certain vibe and you want to, you know, light a fire and drink some of that whiskey from um, Colorado that the commercials make it seem like you have to drink when you're camping. But it sucks when you're on like a Thursday at 3 a.m. Yeah, this is the first time this has happened. I mean, what? I I don't know how many. I've done more than a handful of shows in the garage. So, yeah, they're always a fun you know, time. Percentage-wise, it's sure. It's unlikely. Yeah, but also, he just like won't shut the fuck up. Like it's nonstop. It's not like a chirp chirp. Well, now he's yeah. quiet. No, I hear him. I just. Nah, I threw something over there. Yeah. All He's right. not having it. So I'm drinking a Chardonnay. Smells like a white wine. I don't really know the difference here, but you got a spritzer. So yours is essentially like a seltzer with wine, like a wine seltzer. It's a bubbly wine. It is. It's carbonated. Yeah. All right. Oh, and mine, because I got a proper wine, is like uh hang on. Not. I got it here. It's uh I don't know. I can't see it, but it's a proper wine. So it's like a 12 to 13% alcoholic beverage, you know, real deal. Holy field, as they say in the, in the streets. Yeah, uh, that is what they say. Uh, two questions I had for you before we get into the shit tonight is uh, first thing, how are you liking your new uh, lap pad thing you got for your iPad? Yeah, good, fine. Is it good? Um, is it beneficial so you can rest your whole forearm on there while you're drawing rather than like a pillow or your leg or whatever? Yeah, I guess that's true. I could fit about half of my forearm on there, but it frees up my left hand, not having to hold it underneath or grip it somewhere around the edge. So you're saying you can do other things with your left hand while you draw comics? Right. I can cool. do other things. Cool. Yeah, there's certain things in life that it's important to be ambidextrous with. So having your left hand free is a good, it's a good thing to have. Play Mario Kart with my left hand. Yeah, I mean, just to have your left hand lying around doing nothing, it's a good thing. Um, and like what's, an asshole. And what's that thing called again? In case anybody who works on an iPad wants to get one. Oh, the Sketchboard Pro. Sketchboard Pro. Yeah, I saw uh, Mike Norton talking about it a while ago. Uh, I don't know who else is using them, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's cool. It, I don't know. It's um, it defeats the mobility thing that comes with you know your iPad, and that's the, the why else get it? I mean, if you're not going to work on a Cintiq, if you're going to get an iPad, you're buying an iPad so you can 
take right. it anywhere. You can right. do it on the couch. But if you want to, if you want to draw a panel while you're taking a shit, can't you just pop it out of the Sketchpad Pro? And, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is it uh, is it like half beveled, like half hollowed? Is there a back to it when your iPad's in it, or is it open when your iPad's not in it? Um, the pocket no. that it goes into. Uh, it, yeah. Right. So there's, it's mostly it's like fifty percent covered so it just sits in there and it's got a little little hole in the back for something i don't know but it's nice i dig it it's uh it's uh, angled at a at a, a reasonable degree oh does it have like legs so you can set it on yeah the- it's got four legs so i could do it landscape i can pop up the two long legs for mm-hmm uh what's it called portrait sure yeah cool yep okay very cool and then one last thing this was a late addition to my notes literally like 10 minutes ago there's a bigfoot documentary on hulu on hulu have you heard about this people are watching it. no there's like a bazillion of them on amazon though right but this is supposedly like a well done like a real documentary not like not like if you or I went into the forest and said, we're going to make a Bigfoot uh, documentary. What year is it from? Like this year. It's brand new. Oh. It's like it's like one of those like made for Hulu. Like Hulu bought the rights to this documentary because it's so good. Because it's so good. Right. So anyways, you should check that out. That's what I'm saying. What's it called? I think it's just called like Bigfoot. I don't know. Oh, okay. You You don't know anything about it? You don't know what makes it special or... No, I just saw the image for it on Facebook and I heard other people talking about it. Like, I don't think he's like a secret agent or I don't think it goes into the Bigfoot is like an alien thing. Maybe it does. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But I know you have a Hulu subscription, so. Yeah, I'll check it out. Hop on it. All right. I'll I'll search Bigfoot on Hulu once we're done here. Sure. I did like the, the image I saw was like a dude in a forest, like you know, just a backpack dude in the forest. And instead of it being a giant Bigfoot, it's uh, the Bigfoot is made out of uh, lines of redacted text, which I thought oh. was kind of cute because maybe it gets into government conspiracies. Like why right. we can't let the public know that there's a Bigfoot. Right. Because then that makes total sense. Shit would go south quick. Uh, I want to uh, see a grizzly man, but for Bigfoot. There you go. All right, well, let's jump into tonight's uh, topic because it might it might take a little. It might take no time, depending on how talkative you are. But it might take a lot of time, so I figure let's just jump into it. Yeah, sure. How does that sound? Let me take a sip of my ver- verdangi. <laughs> it's probably vindang. Vindang. Ah, uh, easy drink. I had a. Uh... <laughs> a bit of super bad popped into my head. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is that? Be the Iron Chef pounding Vaj. All right. So today's topic is, uh, I thought, since uh, since I assumed we'd both be classy and drinking proper wine, I didn't know you were going to half-ass it. I thought, let's look at some classic superhero graphic novel or superhero runs. Because when you type in like best graphic novels and you search for top ten lists, it's stuff that right. I have, it's stuff that I will never read and have never read. So then I limited it to uh, 
soup creator runs character like runs on books yeah i'm looking at this hollywood reporter list yeah so it's a hollywood reporter list uh it's a top 100 but we're going to tackle the top 20 uh at first and then if we want to jump around we can uh it's from 2016 so you're not going to see anything like saga or copperhead on there um but it is from the hollywood reporter so the definitive website for serious comic book journalism yeah that's it um so uh let me pull that now i got is there one of those uh maybe comics beat or the comics journal maybe something like that uh but let's jump into this and then as we go through it we'll just uh give our personal uh hot takes okay so what is the title of this list again i'm i scrolled down to 20. so did i I. know now i gotta scroll back up i think it's top hang on i'll do it i I, I just want to know 100 greatest superhero comics but it's basically lists It's, it's basically runs graphic novels runs that kind of thing it'll come more into focus as we go through it but it's essentially uh writer artist runs or writer runs that kind of thing uh yeah okay it says the hollywood reporter and iconic creators are looking back at 100 classic runs of superhero comic books that went on to become fan favorites and define the genre all right so it, it would have been nice if they had named some names here uh well they do when you read the actual articles or the actual uh you know uh text here so oh, let's, okay i'm not let's let's jump in number 20 i think is a solid number 20 it should probably be higher on higher on my list maybe uh dc the new frontier by darwin cook uh i don't know when exactly this came out i guess 2008 something like that early 2000s uh yeah i i love uh well, let me let me let me uh, cards on the table and be honest. I don't own the definitive collection of this, but I have read it from the library and I have okay. seen the movie. I think I own the DVD of the movie, ah. which is actually pretty fucking good. Uh, but I love the I, I'm a big fan of Darwin Cook and I love the concept of this. I, I'm always a big fan of like 50s, 60s, the innocent time of superheroes before they became before 1986 happened, which I like also, but you know, uh, I love this. I love the, it's got a communism aspect to it. It's got monsters. It's got everything. I mean, basically Darwin cook was given a free reign to do whatever the fuck he wanted. And he did it. Um, have you read, have you read this or do you, I have the hardcover. So I have whatever, I don't know what edition that is. But um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. It's, I haven't pulled it out since reading it for the first time. Um, it's got that great uh, imagery of, um, it's in the cartoon as well, of uh, Wonder Woman being taller than Superman. So when they confront and stand toe to toe, she's basically like, I don't need, I don't need a man or whatever. She's bigger than him. And I just love that. I love that dynamic of their relationship because it's been it's been forced down your throat as comic book fans that Superman is the ideal, like the 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 biggest super, the best super, the most superist, and then just to be like he gets shut down in like one panel from Wonder Woman, which I just think is great. Yeah, I I I, 
I remember enjoying it. I I don't. Would it make my top twenty? I don't know because I don't know what I else I would put in my top twenty. Right. Um, Professional podcasters would have made their own top twenty to go with this episode, but we did not do that. Yeah. It, so that's tough to say. I, fine. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, top it's 20. to me. It, to me, it's this is the one hundred most important comic book stories of all time superhero stories of all time right according to the definitive benchmark the hollywood reporter yes uh but yeah i I, part of the reason i like this so much i like i like the new frontier so much is that they just gave a creator on a work for hire gig and let him do whatever he wanted and that's almost unheard of you know in modern comics so i that's why i like it It, it's yes it's as close to a creator-owned book as you're going to get from DC. Okay, yeah, you won me over. Featuring their characters. All right. Yeah, we're, some of these we're going to breeze through because some of them I don't give a fucks about. Speaking of, number 19, The Cree Scroll War by Roy Thomas, Sal Buscema, Neil Adams, and John Buscema. Uh, uh, other than it being um, uh, one of the... Um one of the cards in the marvel series three trading card set i don't know anything about the kree scroll no and and even as far as like the mcu goes i dislike anything having to do with the kree and the scroll in the mcu i lose attention immediately when a scroll shows up on my screen uh they're talking today some casting news came out about secret invasion and i'm drawing a blank uh, could be the the bottle of Andre Brut, but I'm drawing a blank on who got cast in Secret Invasion for the Disney Plus. It's a pretty big, pretty big actress, and I'm just like I don't care because it's all gonna be scroll creep. Like I don't care about any of that for whatever reason because I was an X Men guy. I didn't give a shit about the Avengers. I don't know. They'll make you care. <sighs> they bring you in and they just wrap you slowly around their fingers. Yes. Uh, God damn it, Johnny. I said I wouldn't cry. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing particularly wrong with this. I mean, Roy Thomas, the Bushemas, Neil Adams, there's got all, everything going for it, but I've never read it and it's not something I'm going to put in my mental bank to go track down. Yeah, I don't have a particular affinity for any sort of cosmic stuff, be it Marvel or DC. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, that's funny because you're drawing a cosmic or you're not drawing a cosmic story, but you're drawing a space story right now for DC. Uh, everyone should pick up Superman. Um, if you have the list in front of you, why don't you take a sure. you go ahead. Yeah, I'll do 18. 18's great. I, yeah. I totally agree. Batman Year One by Frank Miller and David Mazzuchelli. Totally. I, I would. This is probably in my top five. Well, didn't we do this on an episode of Book Club on this program? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Top three, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, just great, 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 great book. I, yeah. I like this one better than Dark Knight Returns. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think we did a this whole episode. This is the one Batman this. story that I would choose. If I had to pare down everything on my bookshelf and I could only keep one of everything, this is my Batman story. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, Mazzuchelli, it's funny because even as a kid, like I, we've talked about this on the show before, like, I knew I was supposed to like Kirby when I was a kid, but I didn't like Kirby until I got much older. I knew I was supposed to like certain guys, but I didn't like them. I was an image kid, you know, but even though Mazzuchelli, especially on this book, 
is more of like a John Paul Leon or an Alex Toth style on this book. That's not something I would have been attracted to when I was 12 or 13 or 14, but it, I was attracted to this book. Like it just, everything works so perfectly in this book. Like it's, it's, it's dynamite. Yeah. Totes. And, and the, the colors are crazy good too. Uh, I think it's the Lynn Var, Lynn yeah, Varney's watercolors. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Just fantastic. And, and the idea that it's a Batman story that's not about Batman. Great. Yeah. And it was kind of the first adult, maybe it might've been one of the first adult stories I read where you have the, uh, is this the one where Catwoman was a, was a prostitute or is that yeah. dark? Yeah. So you have Catwoman yeah. as a prostitute, you have Jim Gordon cheating on his wife, you know, it, it's very adult, very real, like not adult, like it's not schlock to be schlock. It's a real storytelling. It's real. Yeah. Shit that and happens. Also, I think this was my first exposure to, um, as a writer, I, you see stuff, right? I mean, since city's all over wizard magazine, as a writer, this was, this was the first thing of his that I had ever, and I loved it and everything was, it spoiled me for Frank Miller because everything was downhill from there. Yeah. And it's, it's a little different because I mean, Frank obviously wrote Sin City as well, but when you're writing something, you're drawing, there's a shorthand you can take to where something like this, you know, he, he's got to write it like a quote unquote, a proper writer. You know, he can't, I mean, he has a master artist taking over his pages so it's, or taking over his script. So it's not like he can rely on that shorthand and shortcuts and, and, and kind of the, when you write something for yourself, the kind of, the kind of stuff he can do. This proved that he's like a solid, just right, straight up writer, whether he never drew again or not. He's just a solid, solid uh, storyteller, which everyone knows. I don't have to repeat this. Yeah. I, I feel like this story more than anything I've ever read um, really sort of lives and breathes the, um, the idiom that uh, what is it? Um, brevity is the soul of wit. There, there, there's no fat in this right. story. Yeah. It's not a Chris Claremont X-Men comic. You know, there's not balloons everywhere. There and... is no fluff. Right. Every, every single word is, um, I feel like he went over it and just even just like removed letters and commas and shit until right. it was, it, it was just what it needed to be and nothing more. Yeah, for people that are listening to this episode, it's within the last two years that we did the uh, book club with uh, doing uh, um, that we did Batman Year One because I was in this room when we recorded that episode. So it was in within the last like maybe eighteen months. So uh, just search it on your uh, whatever device you're using. Your whatever. I was gonna make a joke about those devices that you used to have that you had to feed the devices. Yeah. Yeah. What was that little toy that you're, I'm you're picking Tama, up what you're putting down? Your Tamaga, Tamagu, Tamaguchi, Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. <laughs> yeah. Search it on your Tamagotchi to whatever episode that's at. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes if I give a shit. Uh, Scott, lead us into number 17, which I yeah, think is going to be a quick one. Uh, Daredevil by Brian Bendis and Alex Maleev. Yeah, I uh, I haven't read Daredevil religiously since Lee Weeks and Anne Nacenti, I think, was on it. Uh, so 1991, 90, 1990. Um, 
I did peek in when Chris Somney and Mark Wade were on the book, but I know that Daredevil is, is known for having uh, critically acclaimed writers on it. They do runs. Right. Um, and some people. What mentioned... is it? What is that? What is it about Daredevil that attracts? I don't know, but uh, let me go through my list here. Someone mentioned it on our social media. Did I not put it in here? I might not have kept it in here, but yeah, uh, someone mentioned Daredevil, you know, recent arcs. I, and when I say recent, keep in mind that I'm talking about within the last 20 years. Uh, but no, I did not, I did not read, I have not read Daredevil religiously except for checking in on the Somni stuff, but I know that it's supposed to always be good. It's supposed to be good now with Chip Zdarsky writing it. It's supposed to be really good now. But for some reason, it's like, oh, let me just buy, what, 15 trades to catch up, even though I know it's you can just get one. But just like, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a way for writers to tell crime stories in a superhero book that sells. You know, yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting that this particular title attracts. Such a. Yeah, I mean, you got revered careers. You got Frank Miller, you got uh, Brian Bendis, you got, uh, yeah. I think coming Mark up, Wade. Mark Wade, there's uh, going to be another big guy coming up, I think. It's not Azarello. Maybe it is Azarello. Can't remember. Uh, this Chip isn't. Zdarsky's writing it, Ryan. Yep, yep. This is not the last time we're going to see Daredevil in the top 20. He might make the most appearances in the top 20 as a Daredevil comic. So weird. And I like Daredevil. At one point, like years ago, I was trading artwork with a guy. We were going to both be at Heroes and we were going to trade sketches so we didn't have to pay for him. Stephen Green, who now draws uh, Sea of Stars at Image. And uh, he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, oh, or no, I was like, what do you want? And he told me immediately what he wanted. And I did a shitty version of what he wanted. It was Azrak by Mobius. It was terrible. But then he's like, what do you want? And I panicked. I didn't know because I don't collect a certain character. Or I just whatever. So I panicked and I had just seen the Daredevil Netflix show. So I'm like, give me a Daredevil. So he gave me a rad ass Daredevil. But now when I see that rad ass Daredevil, I'm like, oh, I could have got a Harry Potter character. I could have got a, you know, I could have got a Mohawk Storm. I could have got something that means more to me than than Daredevil. Um, but I do like Daredevil. So, yeah, I like Daredevil fine. Yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. Who would have thought like in 1963 or whatever that, that asshole in the yellow and red with horns would be one of the most consequential characters in the history of comics. No, I hear you. All right. Uh, number 16. Uh, I'm going to jump in here because we got a note from our buddy, uh, our buddy and uh, sometimes co-host studio mate virtual studio mate matt goodall uh number 16 is the ultimates volumes one and two by millar and hitch mm -hmm. and he said he said that's what got him back into comics uh i'm gonna give a shout out to his other uh thing here which came in at number 22 just missed the cut but i think for me and maybe you it might be in our top three and that's the authority by ellison hitch uh so that was number two on this list is the, the first 12 issues of The Authority by Ellison Hitch. But we're talking about number 16, Ultimates Volume 1 and 2. Shout out to Well, Matt. that's where this came from, right? Yeah, it came so, out afterwards, right. Right, and and Millar was, he wrote, what, after 12? Ellis wrote the first 12? 
Right. And then, yeah. And then Millar wrote, uh, 13 through like 22 or something like that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the ultimates is that's where this came from. Well, I mean, I think the, I think, uh, the authority was first. Oh yeah. Yes. yes. But without authority, there's no ultimates. Right. And the ultimates to me solidified that universe, the Marvel ultimate universe, which I didn't give a fuck about. I don't even think it's called ultimates. What was it called? Yeah, Ultimate. No, it was right. Ultimate Universe. Yeah, yeah. I, di- I didn't give a fuck about that. And I remember at the time thinking that Ultimates was a lazy fucking name. Why not just call it Ultimate Avengers or whatever? But, I mean, I, I do love those, the first two volumes of the Ultimates. Like, you got you got the Hulk eating people. Just like, they're using them as like a weapon. They dropped them from the, they drop them from the ship or the, 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 the plane, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Right. Cap pushes him out of the plane. Yeah. When he's Bruce Banner, because he knows he'll die if he doesn't turn into the Hulk. Because he doesn't, Bruce Banner doesn't want to turn into the Hulk because he might kill people. And Cap just like shit kicks him out of the fucking plane. It, it's great. I mean, yeah, I love it. I mean, it has one of the best lines, maybe in all of fiction, but especially all <laughs> of comics, when Captain America points to his, his skull cap and says, does this A stand for France or something like that? Isn't that what he right. says? Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Fucking yeah. Great. It, great. Yes, I agree. If you're going to, this is where people like to parse out like uh, the MVP debates and sports. This book deserves to be this high on the list of 100 most important superhero stories because like the matrix it shapes 20 years worth of comics after it right and 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 kind of like sports like cy young was a good pitcher for his time but he wouldn't stand the test of time now if there was an award for like the most bombastic widescreen cinematic artist of the year if it's not the Jeff Darrow award, it's the Brian Hitch award. It's one of those oh, yeah. two dudes, you know? And like, I mean, the, the again, the authority uh, to me is superior. Brian Hitch's work on the authority. But in this, it really did solidify like the ultimates, especially the first, uh, the first uh, four issues or whatever. It did shit in comics I'd never seen in comics before. Like it really kind of, I can see how if you're a Matt Goodall, and you're just crushing natty lights, you know, on a patio somewhere in Michigan, pure Michigan, the UP, and you're just crushing natty lights and you're reading this comic. I can see how after you read this, you're like, I got to go back to the comic book store because shit must be popping off. If this is what's coming out from Marvel, shit must be insane in 2001 or two. Yeah, th- this Ultimates was one of the last books I bought on the reg. I, I remember... I, on new comic book day going down to atomic in paradise valley and getting panda express for lunch and coming back to the apartment and sitting down and reading getting ultimates that, crushing and, that orange uh, chicken and reading some yeah, ultimates yeah jim lee batman yeah yeah hush which is not in the top 20 all right scott what's next 15 astro city by kurt Busick and brenton anderson yeah, I I, ne- I pers- played ignorance on this. Yes, one too. I never read it. I do love the. I guess I have read. Oh no, that was top ten. So I did read top ten, which is not Astro City. I do not know much about Astro City. Um, I do know Brent Anderson was the artist on the seminal X Men series, uh, 
Man Loves, God Kills. Brent Anderson was the artist on that. But I have uh, no, I have no, uh, no Astro City uh, knowledge because it is not top 10, which I thought it was, which I thought I could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I hear great things. I always heard good stuff. Yeah. Uh, there are always nice write-ups in Wizard. Uh, it's just one of the ones I never got around to. It's mostly because I'm probably a big two snob. Yeah, and if it's not superheroes from DC or Marvel, how good can it really be? Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so moving on, number fourteen is I think before both of our times, uh, Amazing Spider-Man by Jerry Conway, John Romita Sr., Gil Kane, and Ross Andrew. Pardon me, the gas is hitting up. Uh, this image they use though, cover for Amazing Spider-Man number one twenty-one, looks beautiful uh john romita senior but yeah this is way before my time and even when i was like reading comics at like 12 and 13 i was like why does peter parker dress like it's 1960 like because they were still stuck on this this is how the way a spider-man comic looked in 1965 was how a spider-man comic looked in 1985 it just looks so dull and lame until uh mcfarland took over yeah, that's a good point. I mean, just looking at this cover, can you imagine what that ass would look like today? <laughs> that ass. There would definitely be more. Uh, It'd be super rendered. Super rendered. There'd probably be like stitching lines and pocket lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could you could bounce a quarter off of that. Yeah. I mean, it's a great cover. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's I wish more comics did covers like this. Like it's tells a whole story just in the cover. But yeah, before my time, right. and and nothing. It's like a it's like a movie trailer, right? And something like this, if I was going to go back to investigate and spend time on something like this, I would want to go back and get it in like a prestige format. Over, like I want to see the pencils, I want to see the paste ups, I want to see the tape marks, the whiteout. Uh, I no disrespect to Jerry Conway's family or Jerry Conway himself, if he's I'm sure he's still alive. Uh, I don't care about. I just want to look at the art and just kind of see like this is where people evolved from or this is where this is kind of what jump started like a uh, certain genre of superhero comics so i could get into it for that i'm gonna quit talking before i put myself into a corner here but well i'm reading the blurb underneath it for the entry and it's fascinating because jerry conway was 19 when he took over spider-man oh stan was like i'm exhausted is there That's someone bonkers. who can do this Mm. This is the creative team, though, that did the Gwen Stacy uh, backbreak snap. But I mean, it. Who better to be writing Spider-Man besides the nineteen-year-old? Yeah, yeah. Sure, all nineteen-year-olds at that time had cameras and wore turtlenecks and blazers, because that's what it was back then. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that they. Uh, Let's go through it real quick. Uh, Gwen Stacy died. Um, Mary Jane became more of a character. They introduced Frank Castle. Ooh. Ooh, you know, like just solid, uh, I'm sure, a fantastic run. Just uh, not something for me. Yeah. I, At the I, time. It's, it's of its time. Like yes. Ultimates is now, you know. I, I don't know if I were to crack open Ultimates right now. I don't know how well it would hold up. Oh, I disagree. I think it would totally hold up. Are you crazy? The art would be great. I, I don't know that. 
I don't know that I would find the story not insufferable. That's true. I can sure. I'll agree to that. Uh, what's next, buddy of mine? Thirteen Marvel's another one by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross. Um, I, yeah, um, I would put this particular book on the list just because of the impact that Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross had on comics post Marvels. This is the book that 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 launched them, and while. I think it's a good book. I don't think it's a top 20. The The book itself, you know, if, if you're going to judge it on its own merit content wise, I don't think it's a top 20 most important comic. No, I don't. Uh, the only thing this book's this book particularly means to me is that they're going to make kingdom come. That's the only thing this book does for me is that it was a precursor to kingdom come. I never read it. I, I don't particularly, I mean, I, I, I think I've said before, I don't love painted. I don't love it when my superheroes look real. So I was never into this. Uh, this is, it didn't, um, Corey Walker and Robert Kirkman just free to do that single issue uh, book. It, it, it's supposed to be a 90s comic book weren't you tell me about oh, this it was, thing it was kirkman and otley solid blood kirkman and otley yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what this is Th- this oh, like miss, this like missing chunks well no but this is this is a love letter by a couple of guys to the comics of their youth yes yes yeah i just happen to have a beautiful rendering of every marvel character you've ever wanted to see beautifully rendered but again, like I said, I've, I've, I mean, it says a lot that I love Kingdom Come, and then I know that they made this also, and I have no desire to read this like ever. Well, yeah. So Kingdom Come's a story on its own, right? Yes, it, it, it's not. De- yeah, it, it's not dependent on anything, and, and that's what this is. This is, um. Yeah, this is a couple of guys sort of romanticizing this thing that they have fond memories of from, you know, uh, comics past. And I don't have that for these characters or these stories. So there's there's only so much emotional investment I can have in this book. True that. Um, All right. Number 12. Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Man, uh, I feel bad for not having read this one either. I have a story about this. I was years ago. I mean, I'm talking 15 years ago at least. Uh, Shannon Denton. It always goes back to Shannon Denton. That should be the name of this podcast, but it always goes back to Shannon. Uh, we were going to work on a uh, – he had a book that potentially was going to be put out through Shadow Line at Image. And it was going to essentially be his version of the DC unit, his, uh, his uh, Darwin Cook uh, New Frontier, essentially, but using characters that were facsimiles of DC characters, essentially. So Shannon would always send me these things like, oh, it's like, it's like Crisis on Infinite Earths, like, just get that, get that. And of course, I never fucking bought it because I wasn't <laughs> going to spend money on it. And then we're at a show, 
jump ahead like seven, eight years. We're at a show in Albuquerque together. And he's like, he's like, uh, Lynn Weens here. And I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, you should go get something signed by, by Lynn Wien. Cause you know, like shows aren't always the best. They're, they're always the nicest to older writers. Like shows are sometimes shitty for them conventions. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. But I don't have, you know, he's like, oh, they're selling crisis, the trade over there. Like go over there, get it and get it signed by Lynn. And I'm like, you know what? Shannon's right. It's it, pay it. Uh, it's not pay it forward. It's show your respect. So I went and got it and uh, got it signed by Lynn. And I read it. And, and but uh, this is going to come up maybe later in the conversation. George Perez. This is sorry, everybody. He does nothing for me. So like reading through this, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But and I like the I do like the overarching story. I love uh I love the DC multiverse kind of stories, but it did nothing for me. I never read it. Uh, obviously, I know what it is, but yes, I never read it. And I realize it's a titan of a book for most people my age. But I was a Marvel zombie. There's no way I was picking this shit up in 1985. Yeah, I, I, I should have this. I, I, I should have read it by now because even today, it's such a touchstone for what dc is doing right yeah but you haven't but what you should do is I haven't. you should uh you don't have a subscription this is okay this is something we should talk about off air you should have you should have a free account to the dc online thing where you can read all their comics online for free what's your editor yeah, doing take it not calling anyone out but uh you should have that uh, yeah, it's fine. It's it's cool. It's it's cool. You know, whatever. It's got that that famous like. Um, maybe I'm wrong. That's Teen Titans. Never mind. This is the famous Supergirl holding up a dead Superman, right? That's the cover. Yes. Yes. Yeah. First it's time. Superman holding up dead Supergirl. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah. With the yeah, with the Flash running into oblivion. Yeah. That yeah. that was the end of Barry Allen and. Uh, my my boy Wally West came out of that as the Flash. Okay, I don't give a fuck. Number eleven, Scott. Number eleven, Fourth World by Jack Kirby. Just Fourth World. Um, I know a lot of people have affinity for this stuff. Uh, Dark Side is still considered like the biggest of the big bads yeah he's the thanos DC. of dc yeah um a lot of people like lose their shit over mr miracle um i don't know where this comes from i i i i was never exposed to any of this stuff growing up i i remember i remember like dc always had the worst trading cards um Mar marvel had the best they were great and then i remember this one particular dc set i don't i, I don't remember what it was but all, all the cards had a gray border on them like a really fucking thick like a quarter inch gray border all the way around i mean just the boringest goddamn shit but i remember mr miracle and i had black racer and you just look at these things is side by side I, I could put one of the black racer card down to net next to like a Jim Lee Wolverine in X-Men series one. Be like, there's, it's no fucking contest. You just drew 
a Superman annual that had a surprise appearance for Black Racer. I did. <laughs> but he, yes. He, it, yeah, she wasn't on skis though in no. space. No, you're 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 one hundred percent right. What do all the kids love? You're yeah, the way I think about Ying. The way again, fourth world, I, I, I have a habit, and this is gonna uh encompass this entire episode, uh envelop it, if you will is if it was before like 1987, I did not go back and read it. I will not track it down. I have not tracked it down. So this is essentially Jack Kirby doing what they let Darwin Cook do with New Frontier. They're like, come over here and just do whatever the fuck you wanna do. And Jack Kirby's like, I like to do lots of fucking things. So this is what this happened. And I get it. That's awesome. If you're like a Kirby guy, yeah, I mean, I like, I like the new, I like the, I guess I like the look of, the, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I've never read this, but I do like uh, Orion of the New Gods. I do like uh, Mr. Miracle. I, I really like Big Barda, probably more than someone my age should. I, I like the concepts of all these characters, but I can get them in new modern comics. I don't need to go back and, like, it doesn't take much to pick up uh, Gerard and King's Mr. Miracle and immediately kind of figure out what's going on. You're not lost. You don't need to read Fourth World by Jack Kirby to pick up the modern Mr. Miracle. So it just never, I never, I've never done it. And again, if I can maybe pick this up in a, in a, an artist's edition, so I could just examine the art and just Jack Kirby for really the last time in his career, getting ready to go fuck, get, he got buck wild and did whatever the fuck he wanted. That's interesting to me, but I could give a fuck about the mythology and all that shit. Yeah, it's. I do think Mother Boxes, though, might be the best comic book name ever. Like, the best term for anything in a comic book ever might be Mother Boxes. I don't know. Because it sounds so fucking dirty. Just, I don't know. Filthy. You go go in them, you come out of them, they make a boom sound. I I, I still prefer to body slide by one. Well, I prefer to body or slide by, by two. Yeah, I prefer to body slide by two. Sometimes three. We call it a menage a trois. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I confused boom tubes with mother boxes, but they're both great fucking terms because it's something only you could do in comics. He's like, oh, this, it, what are you going to call it? We're going to call it a boom tube, and every time it opens, it's going to say boom. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. I, I'm probably going to lose whatever card I have, and Uncle Phil may never talk to me again, but I'm not... Uh, I don't want to say Kirby's overrated, but he's certainly not for me. He's not for me. Good save. It, it, it's um, he created. It is. Modern- it is like like we keep talking about. He's he's just so far removed. Yeah, I get from, that. I get that from the stuff that I've been exposed to and influenced by. Right. But it's, you know, he's like four or five generations back. Right. But can you accept the fact that you might not have a job today if it wasn't oh, for sure. Kirby? All right. Put some spect on his name. Uh, spe- speaking of Hespect, uh, I'm going to let you do the next one because I know you get a fucking boner for it. Oh, good. What is it? Oh, number 10, All-Star Superman by Frank. <laughs> I was going to say Frank Morrison. Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. Uh, yeah, cool. Um, uh, yeah, I would put this, it would be probably on my personal list. Sure. For sure. It might be my favorite Superman story. 
Yeah, I've uh, I've never read it. I think I've read a couple issues of it, but I don't think I've. I, well, that's not true. I think I have read it, but it's like a twelve issue maxi series. So I won't, maybe I've only read the first half. Uh, I did watch the DC Universe movie, the cartoon though, so I feel like I have read it. Oh, then you got it. Uh, but again, this is not something I can claim ignorance or naivety about because this came out a- after I was a working professional. Should have been something I was into, but I really, I find Superman one of the least interesting characters in comics, unless it's an issue drawn by Scott Godleski. Um, so I, it's just not something, he's too good. And I, I lose interest in that. He has no flaws. He's too perfect. And if he's not, it's because he chooses not to be. So fuck your clumsy. Yeah, I disagree your, with almost all of that. Fuck your clumsy Clark Kent, who's just make who's just being clumsy just to be clumsy on purpose. Fuck that. Either be the dude who lives on the moon and fuck shit up, or be flawed. Don't be uh, fake flawed. I I I feel like Grant Morrison. I think is one of if not the superhero writer of my lifetime, even though he's most remembered probably for not superhero stuff, probably like animal man and shit. Yeah. Um, but uh, like we were talking about with Frank Miller, I, I think he's the, I think he's the superhero version of Frank Miller. I think yeah. he strips everything down That's fair. and you get only the necessary stuff. There's, there's no fluff and there's no filler. I think all of the concepts and the dialogue, everything moves and works with everything else in a way that you don't find in most other stuff. So that that's what I appreciate about him is that it's uh, it sound when I explain it, it sounds boring and stupid. It's yeah, like it meat does. and potatoes sort yeah. of comics, but it's like the best meat and potatoes you ever had in your life. Yeah, it's like when people talk about like uh, Southern cooking or home cooking, like maybe they had better Southern cooking, but I grew up eating Southern cooking whenever I went back to Georgia and it wasn't great. And maybe it's just because my relatives can't cook to save their fucking lives, you know, but it, there's nothing special. But it, the one part that is special is like, everything tastes better deep fried and they learn that. And so everything is deep fried. So maybe all-star Superman is the deep fried version of Superman. It's the cream of the crop, which is rises to the top. Yeah. It's um, don't eat no pig. Cause a pig is a cop during the period that uh, Mark Wade left flash Grant Morrison and Mark Miller co-wrote a 12 issue run. It was amazing. Was that a, was that a Ringo run or who, who drew that? Oh boy. Howard it Porter, maybe. Um, I, I Jim do Califori. remember being a little disappointed in the art. Maybe a Jim I'd have Califori. to dig them out. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, I get it. So this is, this is, I guess, I guess the best way to, ex- and this is what someone who asked me, if you were going to read only one Superman run, I would probably tell people, you should probably read this because it's considered the definitive Superman run. These 12 issues. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Except for that one Superman issue that Joe Kelly and, uh, uh, I think I want to say Herman might be German Garcia drew where Superman and Wonder Woman go off into Valhalla and fuck for 20 or 2000 years or something, but they don't. 
That's right. That was the whole thing. That's right. That's right. He had blue balls for like fucking two epochs. Uh, um, I, I thought you were going to say the other one, the other Joe Kelly issue, the 775 with uh, Doug Monkey, where that was, it was speaking of Manchester Black. Oh, that, they that made was fun the of first the appearance of the elite. Right. Also a DC animated movie that I've seen. Whatever happened to Truth, Justice in the American Way, I believe was the title of the story. Sure. Fantastic. Just great. Manchester Black fucked it to death. All right. I'm going to jump in here. Number nine uh ultimate spider-man uh todd schumann chimed in on social media said he could not be a bigger fan of the ultimate spider-man issues especially number one through 13. i think you could well i mean he he couldn't be i could no you could i I I think you could i mean i could you could probably be a bigger fan again uh, for this website though something i've noticed that they don't like if you were to get half of your face tattooed in the spider-man mask so these these images are it does say Mark Bagley. They do give credit to Mark Bagley. This is not a Mark Bagley drawing on this particular website for this image. It's oh, a Mark, I think it is. It's Mark Bagley pencils and then some oh, dude sure. painted the sure. fuck sure. out of it. And yeah. then way up higher in this list, this tell you the the great uh you know the, the power and the the respect that the Hollywood uh reporter puts on this uh spawn shows up here in like number 50 or 53 or whatever and they used an animated still from the spawn cartoon instead of a todd mcfarland drawing this is a legit list legit uh ultimate spider-man uh i think i wrote this on social media when i responded to todd thanks todd uh i checked in and out on this and it was fine it's fine superman stories but people seem to love this reboot of spider-man and I think it's just because they didn't want to go back and read the early Spider-Man. Because it's the same thing, right? Essentially, kind of. Well, you don't want to look at the Steve Ditko art. I think that's what it is. Yeah, because it's not like it's not like the Ultimates. It's not like it's Miles Morales at this point. It's not really revamped that much. It's it's pretty much exactly what Peter Parker always was a science nerd who got powers. Right. Yeah. This is friends era Spider-Man and that's what people wanted. Yes. They went to central perk. He still wore tank tops to appease the fans of John Romita senior. But the, but the image they used here really does sort of encapsulate my problem with a lot of the ultimate stuff. It's just the, the garish presentation of a lot of it. The covers always bothered me. I mean, Iceman wore liked... bandana like 20 years after bandanas were cool. Cargo shorts. <laughs> Fucking Iceman wore cargo shorts. That the same line that created the Ultimates that had a great run had Iceman yeah, wearing cargo shorts. Yeah, this was the shorts. comic line where middle-aged white men, this is what they thought kids sounded and looked like. Yeah, so uh, hang on. This is uh, uh, some dude from some Amazing Spider-Man talk podcast. This is what he says. Their take on the character wasn't a fresh coat of paint. It remains the most fleshed out and emotionally resonant interpretation of Peter Parker to see Brent, particularly due to Bagley's emotive faces and iconic superhero poses. 
So he's basically saying it's better because Bagley is a better artist than Ditko. Uh, sorry, Tim Seeley or whoever's listening to this who's going to get mad at me. I didn't say it. This fucking Dan Gazovin said it. But yeah, it's just modern comics. It's it's like it it, 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 it's it modern goes comics. to show how timeless the Spider-Man story is. Yeah, you, he, if you can just take like this reader says they, they didn't really remark on the story um no it's emotionally resonant but it sounds like he thinks they did give it a new coat of paint and that coat of paint was mark bagley yeah and also i mean they probably didn't draw the webs under his armpits and they're like oh it's a fresh take on spider-man you're right right oh uh, yeah let's move on uh let's see at number eight i thought i had a note you for... probably also didn't wear a, a dress shirt under a sweater vest right school right you didn't have five layers before his spider-man costume uh number eight uh came up on uh our pal ed harris's list uh miller jansen mazzuccelli daredevil this is the second time daredevil showed up i don't think it's going to be the last uh, but the website calls it Daredevil by Frank Miller and others, because that's how artists want to be listed in a top in number eight of the top 100 seminal runs. They want to be listed as others. Yeah, that's all. Yes, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I should check this out. I have to plead in this one, too. I don't know anything about Frank Miller's run on Daredevil, but given my affection for Batman year one. Yeah, I think this was just. I should check this out. I think this was immediately before that. Uh, Mazzuccelli and Frank Miller did a Daredevil story. I, I'm blanking on. It. I can't believe I'm blanking on it. But as one of the best villains, hang on. Oh, Born Again. Yeah, where the you got Nuke, who's like Nuke's like running like makeup under his face, like give me a red, give me a blue, because he's about to fucking murk some people. Yeah, Born Again's great. I thought we might have done that on a book club, but I think we've only done one or two of those, so probably not. Uh, Born Again is classic. Born Again's like the Karen Page. Just got back from doing porn. She's like a heroin junkie. It's dark as shit. Uh, It's great. And uh, Oh, yeah, so Born Again was released the same year as Dark Knight Returns. Frank Miller had a couple years there where he was untouchable. Um, Yeah, it's all good stuff. Yeah, it's going on my short list. Yeah, you gotta, you got, especially if you've never read Born Again, it is fucking great. Daredevil's been outed. He's sleeping, like sleeping in a fucking the bottom of like a nun, like a nun's taking care of him. Spoiler alert: it's his mother. Nun's taking care of him. He's all beaten and broken. Yeah, yeah, it's essentially the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's great. Uh, you know, the one thing that that resonates with me about this story. To bring back a word resonate that we just said a couple minutes ago is uh this was written in the time where like you would see on the news like oh that guy's a gangbanger he's worthless or this girl is a prostitute she's worthless all this stuff and in this story karen page tells uh matt murdoch i've done things i've done things because i was you know she had a drug addict drug habit she's like i've done horrible things and he says it doesn't matter none of it matters I'll help you. I'm here. None of none of that matters. And I remember even the first time I read this story, I was like, that's such a bold storytelling choice. It's such a bold like thing to uh, idea to put out there. Like, it doesn't matter what you had to do. 
now we're together now we can fix it so great that might be it's so great this this is right up there maybe born again might be my favorite daredevil story of all time yeah cool put it on your fucking list short box uh all right uh let's see do the next one do seven but i think it does show up on my uh social media list but go ahead all right uh yeah teen titans by marv wolfman and george perez so if you liked crisis on infinite earths this is your yeah probably your jam yeah al sparrow chimed in to say the first uh few dozen issues of this were just right up his alley his favorite of all time and it this this run is widely uh vocalized by people as being this was this was dc's version of x-men so if you like the claremont x-men run you were also reading well unless you were me you were also reading the marv wolfman george perez teen titans run yeah i I, yeah Isn't isn't that your dude isn't that wally in the silly fucking costume right there i love wally uh, and I love Teen Titans Go, but I don't think this, I don't think this, this matches the tone of the show. I mean, guy Robin in his tidy whitey like fish scale underwear. Come on. Um, yeah, this is probably one of the things I should check out. Yeah. Yeah, I. I Again, yeah, I, I I'm just looking at the the image that I I don't know what cover this is they've used, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if I could be less interested in what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, um, I, I well, never mind. I think I said it in this exact podcast for people that are still listening. George Perez does nothing for me. I'm sorry. He's right up there with like John Byrne. Nothing. Just, just uh, nothing. I, I would almost say give me a Roger Cruz in the 90s. <laughs> you know, because at least that's Ouch. something. At least that's something. Huh. George Perez, it's too safe. It's too... You Like, uh, uh, and don't get me wrong. I'm the world's worst comic book artist. But like... Uh, Wally West's body style is the same as Beast Boy's body style, which is the exact same as Robin. Like there's, yes, it's rendered nicely, but there's not much there for me to sink my teeth into as a 45 year old man. Um, yeah. Cyborg's get up really isn't doing anything for me. Yeah. I mean, at least he's a little, thicker. I mean, it should. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think if I think if if you and I were had different uh, uh, predilections, it definitely would. Um, but yeah, I have. This is one of those things that, like, yeah, I missed it when it came out, and I, the older I get, my my relationship to it stays the same. I don't give a fuck. So sorry, Al. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's... I don't know. It, yeah, I understand that it's supposed to be um, the young hip kid thing. It's supposed to be right. new mutants or yes, yes, X Men or whatever. And right. I get, I get that already from New Mutants and X Men. So I don't need that here. Yeah, I, I do like the idea of a, a, a sidekick spinoff book, 
but there's really only two sidekicks on there. It's not like Superboy's in there. It's not like it's not Young Justice, which I also could literally give a fuck about. But whatever. I'm a Marvel dude. Speaking of being a Marvel dude, let's move on to number six mm. that me and Jim Hanna have giant boners for uh, Claremont and others X Men, but specifically, oh, yeah. specifically, I think for me and Jim Hanna, it started. You know, our little erections, our little peepees started getting a little vertical with the <laughs> with the Chris Claremont and Mark Silvestri and Dan Green. Oh, vertical, run. yeah, vertical. Uh, right into your belly button if you're lucky. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Claremont, uh, Mark Silvestri, Dan Green. Whoo, what a time to be an X-Men fan. And this is right when I got into fucking comics. So you give me that Claremont X-Men. You give me that Claremont Excalibur. Give me some Captain Britain, some Nightcrawler. Fuck, man. I'm all in on all of it. And it lasted for a while. Silvestri, Jim Lee, Joe Mad. I mean, there was like, oh, and then... You had Alan Davis even before Silvestri. There were like a hundred issues. Throw in some John Romita Jr. There were like a hundred issues where 99% of them were drawn by top tier motherfucking A-class artists. And I made a joke about Claremont's word balloons earlier, but I swear to God, I loved Claremont. I probably have more, I probably have I probably have 3,000 comics, and I would bet a good fucking 800 of them might have some tie to a Chris Claremont X-Men universe thing. Like it was, that was all I gave a shit about, dude. Yeah. Like this dude, this dude wrote the franchise for like 20 years. He's like, uh, he's like the dude who led the fucking Lakers to like X amount of championships. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I get it. And it, 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 it totally deserves its spot here. Uh, it might even be ranked higher on the hundred most important superhero comics. Right, could could be a couple notches lower towards the yeah, towards I, number I, one. I don't have a again. I don't have a particular connection to Chris Claremont. He was. I started getting in just as he was getting out. <laughs> so you were getting in in the Fabian Nichezza, Joe Kelly, Joe Mad era. Uh, yeah. Um, I think the first X-Men issues that I bought off the stand were Andy Kubert issues. But I mean, I went back and I looked for all the Jim Lee stuff and I have all of that just because it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I coming into comics, he was already on, on sovereign seven. Ain't nothing that was wrong his with thing. Ain't nothing wrong with some Dwayne Turner. Dwayne action. Turner. That's right. Ain't nothing wrong with that book. Uh, yeah, Chris Ivy on inks. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. So Jim mentioned this. Jim Hanna mentioned this on our social media page today. Uh, and I told him like, oh yeah, Claremont. He gave me the nibble. Like that was my weed. That was my marijuana. Was a Claremont Sylvester X Men joint. But. What hooked me, my heroin was Excalibur number one by Alan Davis, Paul Neary, and Chris Claremont. Uh, as soon as I saw Excalibur number one, especially Prestige Edition, it was like a little thicker, a little shinier. I was hooked. Like, I didn't know why the fuck. Like, I had to go back and read all those issues. I didn't know why Nightcrawler and Shadowcat were now with Excalibur. I had to go back and read, like, Fall of the Mutants and all that shit. Uh, yeah, he's the guy. He's the dude. 
Um, and like I said, for like 12 years, every A-list artist on the planet worked on that book. Like, I yeah. mean, yeah, fuck a George Perez. I had a Mark Silvestri, you know, like step off. I had a Jim Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just about uh, everybody of any consequence for like 25 years came through uncanny yep. x-men agreed uh why don't you do number five so i can so we can just get right past it to go to number four yeah uh superman by kurt swan um okay okay i again i i appreciate it i i i enjoy the covers of the time uh i i might i might look at a collection of those um what i can't really imagine myself sitting down and getting through an entire issue of one of these right agreed just just because like teen titans i i don't i don't really have any yeah it's before our time uh, we shouldn't interest. have to apologize. i'm not like, compelled yeah i feel like i find myself wanting to apologize for the one listener who's like how dare you not like kurt swan but uh yeah it was like 20 yeah if you're not 85 you don't really care either right speaking of if you're not 85 things you don't care about amazing spider-man number uh number four on this list spider-man by uh stan lee ditko and uh ramita senior and gil kane like again this this issue looks exactly like the one from 1985 that they were just talking about like a couple <laughs> spots but i don't it, it's all boring to me so i just i don't care i'm not gonna i'm sorry i i i don't i'm sorry yeah, i don't get the love for steve ditko either no he created speedball no well i i take it back then yeah uh i my second I, favorite speedball. I, I love John Romita and I love Gil Kane, but I have, I, I'm almost completely neutral on Steve Ditko. Yeah. And again, these stories, like you were just mentioning on the, the they don't do anything for me as a kid growing up in the late eighties. Just, just, just move on, move on. Uh, number three, which, uh, which is something that does resonate. I think uh, number three, Scott. Yeah, uh, one from uh, 1986, our favorite year. Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. Uh, this is, um, isn't uh, the origin story for this book, him sitting on an airplane or something and um, realizing that he was about to be older than Batman? Well, I don't know if that, uh, that sounds 1000% probable. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, the first line here, Frank Miller made Batman cool again. Yes. Yes, he did. Um, you mentioned earlier, uh, um, year one is probably your favorite Batman story. This might be the second, might be most people's second favorite Batman story, if not their first favorite Batman story. Yeah, as far as Batman stories, like specific yeah, I, I think this is probably the one that most people would point to as being yeah. the best or the most important one. Because, I, yeah, Batman's been around for 80 years, but what can you point to and say, that's that's the Batman story? Mm -hmm. 
you know, it, it's just, uh, it's been a thousand issues of Detective Comics. Oh, it's not the Norm Brayfogle version of Zaz the Serial Killer from uh, that one Batman spinoff that Brian Stalfreeze did covers for? Yeah, it's like, it's Cataclysm. That's mine. Sure. Yeah, mine's Nightfall. Oh. Uh, Don't even yeah. joke about that shit. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Awesome. This is great because it, it's also for me personally, it was the first version of like legacy, almost legacy characters that I saw like, oh, fuck, Batman's old, but he's still rad as fuck. And Superman's a dick, which in real life, Superman would be a dick. Like it's like everything clued in like the everything works in this. I like it. Uh, I'm super bummed that they did more versions of this, like sequels to this. But I think it's great. I like the Carrie Kelly Batman. I like the. I like the fact that he gets out and gets his ass kicked by that mutant dude because it proves that like, like it's not enough to have old man strength and anger. Like sometimes you have to have gadgets and <laughs> shit that made you famous right. in the sometimes first place. Sometimes you need a tank. Yeah, sometimes you need a fucking tank. Uh, yeah, it's great, and it, and it's and politically, if you if you read it and look at the political undertones, it's as present uh, today as it was in you know thirty years ago. Um. Yeah, it 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 greatly deserves its its spot as number three on this list, and I think it might be a little low, especially once we get to number one. But we'll keep that under wraps for uh, listeners. Uh, it's fan fucking tastic, and I'm sure the two people listening to this have have already read it. Um, number two is something we've just recently talked about, Scott. So sure, yeah, yeah. two Watchmen by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Um, we've talked, we've touched on Watchmen multiple times in other episodes. Yes. Um, while it's something we can appreciate and enjoy, it's not the thing that has, uh, shaped our interests as comic book fans or professionals. Yeah. Um, it, 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 I think it is something that's very much of its time. It had done something that you hadn't seen before. And like, um, like Ultimates, it shaped the next 20 years of superhero comics. Yeah, uh, I 1000% agree with its seminal in its work, and it should get every accolade it gets. And also, I don't ever go back to it for any reason. I've read it like twice and it's not something like it's not on my inspiration shelf. You know, it's not like I understand how great it is, but it doesn't draw me back multiple times to to reread. And yeah, I, yeah. while I say I understand how great it is, I do think it's one of those things that got carried away with itself. It's something some asshole. It's, it's something like uh, Seth Rogen in 1998 would have talked about like oh i love the watchman at a party and some asshole with a martini and an olive would have been like oh tell me more about that like it's 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 a bragging party kind of book but right. it is still, it I, is I still remember a good book. buying it just to have it yeah because you're dipshit if you don't fucking have it right yeah i have a copy of mouse moss mouse i have a copy of mouse because if anyone ever came over to my house i'd be embarrassed that i didn't have it <laughs> And I think it's amazing. I think it's great. I've read it, but it's, again, it's not for me. I have a very specific thing that I want in my comic book world. 
and Watchmen kind of hits that and kind of doesn't. Um, again, I, I I mean, fuck, when this book came out, I was 11. Cut me some fucking slack. What am I supposed to do? You know, I was just learning yeah. how to jerk off when this book came out. I had more important things going on. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy a lot of the stuff that it was that... You know that that it influenced, yeah, and it, it's the same problem we talk about with everything else. It's it's the Matrix problem because I had come in to the comic book world 10, 15 years after this. I, I was first exposed to everything that came after it, and so when you go back far enough. Uh, the the original thing just doesn't have the the oof or the impact so while, while i think it's good and i think it's well done and i think Moore and gibbons are uh, it, it, at the top of their class and everything that they do it, it's not a it's not a desert island book for me word we're keeping it real on the illustrious gentleman podcast we don't cater to you bitches from chicago and new york you you coastal elites we keep it real uh speaking of keeping it real i think number one on this list is specifically because they know the name stanley and jack kirby um i i don't get me wrong one of my first uh graphic novels i ever bought is the fireside press version of uh, a collected stories of Fantastic Four by Lee and Kirby. I've read it uh, 20 fucking times in my life. I love it. It's dog-eared. It's fucked up. It's got the first appearance of Namor, all that shit. It's great comics. But it was great comics for its time. So in 2016, to say that the Lee and Kirby Fantastic Four run is the number one run of comics of all time, you have to preface it by saying it created superhero comics and that's fine. Yes. It, yes. If you want to say this set the template for everything you've ever read in your life and love. Yes. Yes. But to say that and this holds up against the first 12 issues of the authority. No, no, no. We have color um, television. Yeah. And this is, I think this is where this being a list from the Hollywood reporter really shows its colors. Yeah. This, because con, this con, without the fantastic names. four, there's no Marvel comics and without Marvel comics, there's no MCU, which is yes. the biggest cash cow on the planet. Yeah. So when I said this cunt, I'm sorry, this was written by, it is written by two cunts, Aaron couch and Graham McMillan. Well, I know the name Graham McMillan. He might've written for Newsarama or something else, but yeah, this is a, this is a, this is a, let's throw something in at number one that, that casuals are going to wet their pants to. Um, because they're fine superhero comics and maybe you get a little, maybe you get a little like social kind of, uh, uh, tinge and, and modern thing with like Ben Grimm being like, oh, I'm just ugly and no one loves me. Maybe you get that. People like to look into like, oh, the invisible girl was a woman in the sixties. So no one saw her. I don't know if that's what Jack and Stan were going for. I think maybe that's, uh, uh, looking I think that back, might be giving him too much credit. Looking back with rose-colored glasses, maybe a little bit. Uh, um, yeah. So there was a spell in the early two thousands where I was a big Mike Allred fan, 
and knowing that he was a big fan of Jack Kirby and this era of books, I went back to these too. You know, it's like asking an artist which what what they draw with because using the same pencil will, you know, it'll let you draw like them. So I I went and looked at some of his influences and I I have the essential fantastic for the big black and white right uh, paperback with the first 20 issues i think probably plus an annual um i've had that for god i don't know 15 years maybe i have not finished it i yeah. can get through it yeah like i said i really love my fireside press uh trade paperback that i have but Again, I think I love it because they were the first. They were the without them, I wouldn't have a job. Without them, right? You wouldn't have a job. It's just it's it's a pretty yeah. Like nobody says in His Majesty's Secret Service is their favorite Bond film. <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, yeah. So fine. Of course, that's going to get it from the Hollywood Reporter. Um, let me uh, let me run through a couple things here, and then uh, I know we're going long, but who gives a shit? Uh, let's run through a couple things here, and then at the end we'll give our number one, like what we would consider our touchstone run in comics, which might be the are, same. Are we doing most important to us? Yeah. What what resonates with us personally? What we would go back if we had to get rid of everything. What exactly twelve issues would we keep? Which that's I think we might be. We might be similar on it, but we might have a, a, a picnic with it. Who knows? Uh, but I do want to bring in, the, uh, you mentioned you were a fan of Mo- uh, Mad Men in the early 2000s. Uh, Russ McDowell, Russell McDowell said, uh, basically everything Mad Men by Allred is his touchstone. And uh, I, I I told him I went through an Allred phase when I had like a Dark Horse complete, right. Mad, like a, the, when Mad Men teamed up with Superman, they had a trade and I, I read that. And I, re- I came to him during his Atomics run. Oh, okay. So later. Right. I thought you were going to say you came to him during his his Golden Plates run. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, like late 90s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I always liked uh, Allred. Uh, but I think in that time, especially in that time, it was almost too much. Like too much wackiness going on. Like too, I needed something more to ground me. I needed focus. I had young children. I was just trying to get back into comics. There was a lot going on with Allred was a uh, madman, super hip, and I'm not that hip. Um, I'm gonna run through a couple of these. Feel free to comment if you want. Um, these are from social media. Uh, Justin Zinger uh, commented that Jeff Johns' run on Green Lantern, which came in at number 35 on this list. Uh, he said he loved Blackest Night and Sinestro Core War. Uh, he didn't mention any artists, but I think it was uh, he who not should not be named. Uh, Ivan Heiss and uh, one or uh, Doug Mankey maybe was in, in on that too. Um, I don't give a fuck about Green Lanterns unless they're John Stewart. So I was never into this personally. Yeah, I'm going back up through this article. 31 is Amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man by Todd McFarlane. I think that should be a lot higher as far as most important superhero stories. As important superhero books go, as important comic books go. 
yeah, Todd but, McFarlane's Spider-Man, I think it's probably yeah, it just, a little. But it, it little sold a lot, and it this. it sold a lot, and it was a sea change in comics. But it wasn't yes. like a great fucking story. No, but as important things go, yeah, that it sold a million copies, right? At least, yeah. Uh, also, Ed Harris, on top of what I mentioned earlier for Ed, he mentioned. Uh, Uh, 2.5 million spider-man number one he mentioned the joss whedon uh john cassidy astonishing x-men which i never got this list yeah i know number 87 i never got into it because they wore leather jackets i never got into that i can't Uh, believe that's on this list uh he also mentioned mike's x run on amazing spider-man which if i'm if if i'm not wrong it had the craven's last hunt storyline which i thought was amazing i i love that run of that is number 30 oh is it yep uh and then uh ed also mentioned jim lee on x-men which goes into the claremont and others category um my brother uh derek cody handsome fella uh uh brought up he doesn't read a lot of comics so the fact that he pulled out a punisher war journal out of his ass uh carl potts jim lee those were great issues this Mm. is jim lee prior to x-men but then also they rebooted it with john romita jr and it had that great scene I think mm-hmm. we talked about this, yeah. right? We talked about it where he hung the dude upside down and melted an icicle against his arm. Right, yeah. Told him he was burning his flesh. Like, just great comics. Uh, Jan Mark uh, Quiz, Quizumbing. I realize I just never, I've never said Jan's name out loud. Quizumbing. Uh, he t- he wanted to mention uh, Larson's run on Spider-Man after McFarlane. You had the Sinister Six, okay. Carnage, uh, Venom Island. Do you remember that when... Peter Parker and, and Eddie Brock were stuck on an island together. No. Yeah, great stuff. That's not going to make a list of 100. No, no, but it's it's Jan's, it's Jan's list. Uh, Nick Sage throughout The Destroyer, which I talked about a couple weeks ago. Kirkman Walker Destroyer. Marvel Max, fan-fucking-tastic. And then he uh, mentioned the question by uh, Denny O'Neill and uh, Dennis Cohen. Uh, he said... Those two series are roughly 20 years apart, and each one hit me super hard at the right time. Um, the question with uh, Dennis Cohen, I could see myself going back to that. I like Dennis Cohen's work. Uh, our friend Corey at Cab Comics, uh, you were talking shit about Fourth World. Specifically, I think earlier in this episode, you talked shit about Mr. Miracle by Tom King and Mitch Garretts. I didn't Co- talk shit. But Corey loves it. It's Corey's favorite comic of all time. Cool. I, I can't believe you talk shit about it. <laughs> What's up, Mitch? Text me back when I text you. What up, bro? Uh, and then lastly, uh, Jay Wilson, friend of the program. Good guy, Jay. Uh, he mentioned uh, Denny O'Neill, second second mention of Denny O'Neill, and the Neil Adams' daughter of the demon arc in Batman. And he said, that's the first time I'd ever seen artwork like that. So the first time he made a mention, he noticed like how much artwork adds to comics was the daughter of the demon arc in Batman um what other what are what are you coming across there scott i'm done with all my notes now that we're approaching our it, it's funny because Ooh. this list is bookended by fantastic four sure Number is. 100 is fantastic four by tom defalco and paul ryan uh i, that's, reme- I that's remember i remember the helmet and the bot yeah i remember buying some of those issues at the time um yeah, because I really wanted to like the Fantastic Four. I wanted to, but every month I was just bored to tears. Yeah, I mean they wore that was when the thing had the helmet on at one point, and they wore leather because he jackets. got slashed by Wolverine. Oh, really? And they wore leather jackets and shit. Oh, and Wonder or 
invisible woman had the chest cut out. Oh, well, of course. Why not? Uh, yeah, I'll scroll through this really quick. Number 95, Wildcats by Joe Casey and Sean Phillips. That's, That's that was it's good. astounding that it's on this list. But it was good. I, I liked it. Shout out to them. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not good, but I, I this is this is such an eclectic list. I don't get it. Uh, uh, number 90, Invincible. Yeah, Corey, totally. Corey, agreed. Corey, it yeah, should be here. Super long run by three great creators with some great colorists. Yeah, create our own series. It should be here. Yeah, we got a couple mentions on social media that I didn't pull, but uh, Ed Brubaker's Doom Patrol. Dare, Ed Brubaker's Get out Daredevil. Of here, hipsters. Yeah, Ed Brubaker's Daredevil is in at eighty nine. So a lot of people mentioned that on social media. By yeah. I mean, a, by a lot, I mean a couple. Um, Peter David, Incredible Hulk is eighty five. Yeah, that's fine. The Daredevil, Daredevil, Daredevil might show up on this list of 100 like five times. Brian Azzarello, Wonder Woman at 83. Does anybody think of Brian Azzarello when they think of Wonder Woman? Uh, I think they think of Cliff Chang on Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, Daredevil, Chris Somney, that's great. Uh, the Runaways, that's 80. I'm just scrolling through. This is suspect at best. I mean, you got a Stuart Eamon appearance at 77, uh, Secret Identity with Kurt Busiek, Superman Secret Identity. Uh, how is The Next... Micronauts at 73. How the fuck is Next Wave not Stuart Eamon in uh, his, his spot on this list? Yeah, the Micronauts. Keep going. Keep going. This is great for listeners and people who are watching it. It's fantastic uh squirrel girls on there that's classic uh let's grant see. morrison's jla i agree 64 yeah someone on social media mentioned that i didn't pull it uh sorry to them the catwoman by ed Brubaker and darwin cook i think deserves a spot on this list uh darwin re re-envisioned the way catwoman could look gave her that new look that everyone loves that i love um oh that starman run Robinson, Tony Harris, and Peter Snow. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, everyone loved that. I I, I got some issues of that signed. Uh, another Daredevil and Nascenti and others. Yes. Warlock at 50. Is that the X-Men Warlock? No. <laughs> then I don't give a fuck. Oh, top 10 is on this list. Top 10 by Alan Moore and Gene Ha. Give that a yeah, shot. Yeah, so it's Promethea. Yeah, good for them. Uh, anyway, whatever. We're way too long. Yeah, we're we're going long. Uh, I do want to point out someone on on Twitter mentioned uh, Grant Morrison and Steve Yeoman's uh, Zenith, which was a two thousand comic, here. and it's on here. And I didn't pull it because I'd never heard of it. Uh, but shout out to that dude on our Twitter account. Who, if you give me two seconds, I'll tell you who it is. Uh, cause he deserves a shout out because what a pull to be at, uh, oh shit. Hang on. I got to switch Twitter accounts. Too many Twitter accounts. Dan, Dan, uh, Mimbiella, you're the big winner for tonight. Cause you pulled, you pulled Zenith and it showed up at number tw- uh, 44 on this list. So shout out to you, brother. All right. Uh, I do want to point out that uh, the authority came in at number 22. I want to say that again. It should be much higher. Uh, I do think the first 12 issues, Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch's authority, if you want to talk about comics that shaped 20 years of comics, 
uh, I think that should be much higher than it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly for the majority of my comic reading lifetime, yes. that might be... For people our age, yeah. That, that might be the touchstone yeah. book. Yeah, and I'm a little surprised with some of the stuff that's on there. I'm a little surprised that uh, Powers isn't on there. Because if you want to talk about a super hit indie comic... Yeah, oh, uh, for, power, for sure. Powers should be on there. Because personally, that's what brought me back into comics. That mixed with, with the... Uh, how is was, the walking fucking dead not on that list yeah yeah 2016 there was already a tv show the Jesus walking dead Christ. should be in the top 10. that had been on tv for six years at that point maybe a hollywood reporter take your uh list of 100 influential comics and shove oh. it up your ass no uh, uh john byrne man of steel miniseries uh, uh whatever oh yeah just tweeted us what they missed yeah sure uh scott how was your uh wine not wine and next time you say i'm getting wine for the show we're gonna have to clarify because i could have got not wine for the show like you did it was uh totally drinkable yeah that's the problem with wine uh, it's actually more drinkable than beer and we've we've been doing beer for 200 fucking episodes yeah, I did a couple of them here, and it's good. Yeah, it's it's not anything. I'm not I'm yeah. not thinking about it. I, I'm not considering. You know. Oh yeah. What's in my mouth? I'm not parsing out anything. Uh, I'll make you consider what's in your mouth. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let, let's. So good. Let's, yeah. Three yeah, and a half. Three and four. a half. There you go. Yeah, I. Uh, I always forget how much I like me on wine, especially white wine. Mm. I really like me right now. <laughs> I think I'm crushing good. it. I think I'm doing things. I think things are happening in me that are good. It's happening. Uh, I mean, it could have been the full bottle of champagne. I mean, it's not real champagne. It's California champagne, which essentially makes you a liar because <laughs> it can't exist. California champagne is not a thing. It's like Ryan Cody's run on Uncanny X-Men. It doesn't exist. Uh, so it could be the bottle of that I drank, but we're going to go ahead and toss it to our friends at Vendangji Chardonnay. Uh, I really do. I think for a while I tried to hide the fact that I really enjoy white wines because I was trying to be like manly and drink like IPAs and shit like that. I really enjoy white wines. Yeah, at a certain point, you got to let go of that shit. Yeah, this is super. You know, I mean, you, you got to enjoy what you enjoy because who knows how long you got left to enjoy it. Yeah, I don't get the apples or the toasted. Yes, hopefully soon. I don't get the apples or the oak, but I do get the pears. And then a lot of people think Chardonnay is a little buttery. It's like the it's like the heaviest of white wines, I would guess you would say. Mm -hmm does look a little like dehydrated urine but it's totally drinkable and shout out to them because this bottle of 500 milliliters or sorry this uh box of 500 milliliters was way less than an ipa oh and it's 12.5 percent so it's nice. essentially it's essentially like drinking a pint of 12 and a half percent imperial stout for 350 at the grocery store it's available everywhere uh, I want them to sponsor the show and maybe sponsor me personally in life. 
I'd, I'd wear Vindanji Chardonnay. I'd wear Vindanji shirts. Be an influencer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Vindanji snapback. Maybe some Vindanji slip-ons, whatever kids call them now. They're not slip-ons. They're, they're, I look they're, forward to the TikToks. There's a name for that. They're not slip-ons. Uh, anyways, yeah, I'm going to give it a... You gave yours a three and a half. I'm going to do the same. I like it. I could probably go four, but I don't know if I'm quite ready to fully embrace the white wines yet you know they got to wine and dine me they can't just come in slip well, now in. they just have to dine you <laughs> all right buddy send us home wrap yeah. it up uh, have a good night everybody good night everybody